watching Russia against Croatia, and um, Russia's the home team, and they're hosting the World Cup, and we kind of got into soccer when we were over in Costa Rica because it's part of the culture, and um, it's actually part of every culture outside of ours. It's very large in the world. Uh, it is the number one sport in the world, and so we're watching, and they went to overtime, and they went to penalty kicks, and I was, it caught, my surprise, caught me by surprise as I was watching. We kept spanning the crowd during these penalty kicks. And I was seeing all these people in the crowd going like this and rubbing their, 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 their clothes on them and, and, and going like this and talking. And I couldn't believe how many all of a sudden prayer warriors there were in the stadium in Russia for the game. And I, would, I wouldn't be surprised if a whole lot of those people praying aren't even believers in God but all of a sudden, when their team needs a goal, all of a sudden, God exists. How many know that everybody prays, even the ones who say that God doesn't exist, or the atheists? How about when you get in an accident or something bad happens, and they call on God, right? Help me. Somebody's always crying out to God and always praying. But I want to talk about bold prayer this morning because prayer is part of our lives. And it needs to be a very important part of our lives and I want to show you in the scriptures how, how, much it, how important it is to stay in prayer. Amen? To stay in prayer. And not just pray, but be bold in our prayer. I was thinking this morning and yesterday about how we're right in the middle of the year. We're right in the, almost to the middle of July. And this is a time of the year where it's easy to get lazy with the Lord. Can I get an amen? It's hot. It's the middle of the summer. The kids are out. It can kind of get monotonous, and we can kind of get lazy and just kind of in a mood of not seeking the Lord like we should. And how many know when we do that, how many know when you get tired and put your hands down, that's when it gets dangerous because the devil can bring a blow. Amen. Try to knock us out. So I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 6 in just a second, but I want to read a verse if you're taking notes. Uh, in, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16, that says, Let us therefore come boldly, shout boldly this morning, boldly. to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. How many know there's a lot of needs today? There's a lot of needs. If I began to pass the microphone around this morning, there would be needs all over this place. There would be people who have physical needs, people who have a financial need, people who have uh, spiritual needs and relational needs and family needs and, and, and all kinds of needs. There's always needs. That's why we pray every service during the service for prayer because there's always needs that people are coming in into with. And everybody came in this morning with a different need. But Jesus wants us to know this morning through his word that we have an access and a, and a, and a relationship with God and he is not way out in the universe this morning. Can you say amen? He's right here with us this morning. The Bible says he's in our midst right now and he's listening to us and he's, he's with us and he wants a relationship with us. So I want us to think about that word as we get into this message about being bold when we come into the throne of grace so we can obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. Father, I pray this morning for this message. I pray for all the men and women, all the young people here that are represented today coming to get a message from you. 
I ask that you would anoint your word. I ask that you would anoint the, the ears to hear, Father. And I pray that we would be challenged this morning, God, to have bold prayer lives. Lord, that we would not just pray, that we would not just uh, meditate, that we would not just think about the things of God, but we would understand what bold prayer does. And I pray that there would be a fervency and a fire that would be lit inside of us this morning that would cause us to have a greater prayer life. And Lord, I pray this morning against every spirit of darkness, every spirit of the enemy that's, that battles us and battles our minds and battles our families. And we take authority this morning over the demonic forces of darkness. And I pray that your word would be spoken in power and that, Lord, fruit would come out of this this morning and that your name would be glorified. And Satan, the blood of Jesus Christ is against you this morning and you have no power over us. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody shouted? Amen. Amen. Let's pick up in Matthew chapter 6, uh, a, a very familiar scripture. And I want to teach you a few things and challenge you this morning to really walk in a bold prayer life. Jesus is teaching a model prayer here to his disciples in Matthew 6. And he's ministering to them and they're asking him, how do, you, how do we pray? What, how should we pray? How should we talk? And, and, you know, uh, the sign of a healthy church, I want you to understand this before we read this, the sign of a healthy church is a praying church. The sign of a healthy family is a praying family. The sign of a healthy marriage is a praying marriage. A church that understands the power of prayer. Now, we have this behind us, not by accident, because I've left it up since we did a 21 days of praying and fasting in January, because I believe this should be up all year long, because this is the truth. You don't get victory without prayer. Anything that's successful in your life is going to come through prayer. Amen? It's going to come through seeking God, and, 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 and whether that's your job, or it's something in your church ministry, or it's raising your kids, or, or being a successful witness, it's going to come through prayer. Everything that we do in prayer brings forth stuff in public. Amen? And so we have a prayer area. We have a, a place called the engine room over here on the other side of that wall where we pray before services. Um, prayer meetings are so powerful. Uh, prayer revivals. We've had prayer revivals in the past. We've had nights we've sought the Lord until midnight. We've gotten together and prayed for hours at the church. We've sought the Lord together. That's something we need to do continuously. Amen? Because prayer brings victory. How many believe that? Prayer brings victory. But Jesus teaches us here in verse 5 of Matthew 6, and he says, when you pray, now notice he didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward, but you Tell the person next to you, but you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in, I love this, the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they'll be heard 
for their many words. And then he goes on to give what is the exemplary prayer there of our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And he says the Lord's Prayer, which, as we know, many have, have, have followed that suit and, and, and many pray that prayer, but that's the only prayer they pray. Prayer they pray. Sorry. Amen. God is not wanting us to say something memorized. You married people, can you imagine if every single day you told your spouse the same exact words every day, 365 a year? That would get old. Amen? You have to, you say, you're basically saying you love them, but you need to say it in different ways. We can pray to God, but he wants us to talk to him from our hearts and not from vain repetitions. But what this is teaching us here is not that we shouldn't pray in public. Not that we shouldn't do what we just did a few minutes ago, which is lift our hands and pray unto God. But he's saying every believer, if you want to have a successful life, has to have a prayer life and a prayer closet, so to speak. How many have seen the, the movie War Room? Let me see your hands. If you've, seen, if you've not seen that movie, watch it. Amen. I don't know if it's on Netflix. I don't know if it's Red Bull. I don't know where it's at, but it's probably on Netflix by now. Go, go watch that, room, that movie. If you've watched it, watch it again because it will motivate you and, under, and get you to realize how powerful prayer is and what prayer can do in your life. So how many want to have an overcoming life in God? You want to walk in victory? Some of you didn't give me an amen, so I guess you want a defeated life. That wasn't a trick question. Amen. Somebody, I, saw, I asked that and some of you all thought about it. I'm like, let me ask that again. How many want an overwhelming, victory, powerful life in God? Amen? Maybe I, maybe I didn't say that right because some of y'all were like, oh, no, if I want to overwhelm, I think I'd rather just be normal. I, I want to have an overwhelming, powerful life with God. Amen? How many want to be victorious? and not defeated how many want to be the head and not the tail how many want to be above and not below how many want to win and not lose do i need to go on amen that the way we do that is bold prayer knowing how to get a hold of god you know what we need we need to know how to get a hold of god we need to know how to, how, to, how to get a hold of the altar of prayer and seek God's face. You need people in your life that know how to pray. That, you know, and, and some of us know that. Some of us get into a need or a struggle and we call somebody. And we say, hey, will you pray with me? There's nothing wrong with that. That's great. We have an intercessory prayer team. Whenever you need something, you can text us, and 30 people will get that text within a few minutes, and 30 people will go to the Lord for your need and for your, for your problem and pray for you. Amen? Amen? So that's a powerful thing. But we need to be able to get a hold of God for ourselves. And one of those things we need to understand is that God wants closet prayer. He wants bold prayers. But here we are. Here we are in the days we're living in. Jesus made a statement in Luke 18 that is so real today. He said, when I come, how many know the return of Christ is soon? It could be any day. Amen. How many are watching and waiting for that? Remember what Luke 21, 36 says? He, six says, he says, watch therefore and pray. That's what we're talking about, praying. Watch therefore and pray so that when that day comes, it will not come upon you as a thief. And we, can, we, and we say, Lord, count me worthy of that day. And so we're staying in prayer. Several people after the morning service, the first service, told me, this is, I needed this. Thank you for challenging me. I mentioned in the first service that I have to challenge myself. Amen? Before I get up here and preach to you, I have to preach to myself. I have to challenge myself. Who do you think challenges me? 
Amen. I got to get to with the Lord and he has to challenge me so that I can come challenge you and tell you we need to be in prayer. We need to have bold prayer lives if we want to see God do something. Some of you got family members that you want to get saved. Some of you need a different job. Some of you need a situation in your finances. Some of you are, are dealing with something physical. Listen, it's not going to happen on its own. It's going to happen by you praying and getting a hold of God and calling on his name. And Jesus said, will there be faith on the earth when I come back? That's a pretty bold statement. How many want to be the people that say yes today? That there's going to be faith when Jesus comes back. How many want to be those people? I want to be those people. I want us to be the church that is looking for him and that we're not tired and cold and bitter and not watching. Amen. The end time generation right now that we're living in is a prayerless generation. It's a prayerless generation. We need more prayer. Can you pray too much? Let me ask you that question. Can you pray too much? Can the church pray too much? No, we need more prayer. I've never told somebody, no, we ain't doing a prayer meeting. I've never had somebody come and ask, hey, can I do a prayer meeting? I say, no, we're too busy for that. Sometimes we need to stop everything and pray and seek God's face, amen, and try to get a hold of God. The New Testament church that we're founded on in the book of Acts was founded in prayer. It started in prayer. It continued in prayer, Acts 2 says. It ended in prayer. The baton was passed on to the next church in prayer. And here we are in 2018. The church that's victorious in 2018 is a church that prays. And a church that boldly prays. Amen. And gets a hold of God. Now listen to this. The power of God is linked to intercessory closet prayer. You want power in your life? You want victory in your life? Have you ever looked at someone's life and said, man, it seems like they just have it more together than I do. It just seems like they have more victory than I do. It just seems like they're winning all the time. Or whatever you might think about somebody, I want you to know that doesn't happen by accident. It happens because they have a prayer life. Power of God is linked to intercessory closet prayer. Now, I want to give you some things to think about this morning, and this is one that really stood out to me, and and you don't have to go there for time, but you can write it down. Romans chapter 1, verse 9, Paul mentions in the Bible this statement. He makes this statement, and and, and I want this, I want you to, before I continue, I want you to understand that when we talk about prayer, corporate prayer is awesome and amazing, and that goes without saying. When we come together like we did this morning and and we all lift our hands and we pray together, there's nothing like that. How many agree there's nothing like that? When a a church comes together and, and prays together, it's such a powerful, powerful force. But watch this. Corporate prayer has no power if we don't have individual prayer. Isn't isn't this saying true in every facet of life that your chain is only as strong as what? Is the weakest link. Raise your hand if you're the weakest link in prayer. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't, we don't know who that is. Only God knows. I don't want to be the weakest link. Amen? I hope that our weakest link is really strong. But what I'm trying to say is we individually, when we come together on a Sunday morning to pray at the beginning and at the end, we do a lot of praying in our services. And, and, and we, we begin it, we end it, it's in the middle, it's all throughout. But I don't want us to, understand, to think that that's all that we do. We come together on Sunday 
bringing into this place, to the, to the fellowship together, and to the to learning of the word, and to the teaching of the word, and to understand the vision, we bring into this place our own personal, corp, uh, personal prayer life. And, and, and depending, sometimes, think about this, how many have thought sometimes, man, that song was so anointed, or man, that service was so powerful, or man, that was just such a great service. Well, you know when that happens, it doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen because one Sunday God chooses to throw his spirit down stronger than another. You know what I believe happens? I believe it goes to how we spent time in prayer that morning in the prayer room. I believe it has to do with how we came prepared in our own personal lives. It's a fact. Sometimes it feels dry. Sometimes it doesn't feel like the Spirit's here. You know whose fault that is? Ours. Because we didn't seek God. We didn't spend time with the Lord. We have to make sure we're getting into His presence and, and boldly praying. And when we have those services where it is electric and the Spirit of God is so powerful in this place, it's not a coincidence. It's because God's people have sought His face. God's people have been alone with him. God's people came into a church expecting him to do something. And now here's the thing. You might, you might, there might be days when you're the only one that comes expecting. But God can move because you came expecting. Too many times in the things of God, and I have to fight this myself. Like I said, sometimes I can sense or feel in the spirit that there's, there's just lethargicness or tiredness. Or here we are in the middle of the summer and people are on vacation. We have a lot of our leaders out on vacation. And, and during the summer, there's always somebody gone on vacation. Thank, I'm not, I'm good for, thank God for vacation. Vacation's great. But there's times when it doesn't feel like, like it's good, and you have to say, you know what, I'm not just going to let this service. The devil tells me sometimes it's just, just, it's just it's one Sunday. It won't be a big deal. Just get up there and go through the motions. And then I, get, and then I say, no, i got to talk to you, God. i got to pray. i got to get this service ready. i got to walk these chairs and walk this sanctuary, and i got to pray for this place so that when these people come in, if I'm the only one, I'm going to bring the presence of God into this place. How many would love to have that attitude for yourself? Not for me. That you come in and say, I'm going to bring the presence of the Lord into this place in my prayers. Amen. If nobody else shows up to worship God, I'm going to worship God. If nobody else lifts their hands, I'm going to lift their hands. If nobody else claps, I'm going to clap. I'm going to shout. I'm going to give, give God glory. Amen. I think to myself sometimes when we're doing praise and worship, and I've said this before, some people don't like to clap. Hey, that's your thing. But I thought to myself, thank God everybody's not like that. Because if everybody didn't like to clap, it would be pretty dead music. Amen. If everybody didn't like to sing, it wouldn't sound very good. I'm glad that some people say, you know what, I'm going to clap if nobody else claps. I'm going to lift my hands if nobody else lifts their hands. I'm going to make a joyful noise unto the Lord in my singing. Amen. Some of y'all can't sing, but you sing unto the Lord. Amen. And you make a joyful noise unto the Lord. You're bold with your praise. We need to be bold with our prayers. We need to say, you know what, I don't care if anybody else got up this morning to pray. I'm going to pray. And then God begins to do something in our individual lives. Because what we do in our individual lives in secret, God says he rewards publicly. Don't ever think when you look at somebody's life in God that's successful and has fruit that that just happened. There's a price that's being paid in prayer whenever God is moving in somebody's life. Amen? So think about this. Paul says... In Romans 1.9, he says, God, 
He's making a statement. Whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his son. Listen to what he says. Is my witness how constantly I remember you. Let me, let me, let me, let me break down what he's, what he's saying there. Paul says, I know how much I pray. And God knows how much I pray. See, we could, we, I could come here this morning and say, man, I pray for this long and you should see this. I could say all kinds of things. But God knows how much I pray. And God knows how much you pray. Amen? And so he wasn't saying it in a boldness. He wasn't saying it in a prideful way. He was simply saying that God knows my relationship with him. And he knows how much time I spend with him. And he understood that if I spend time with God, God is going to do things in my life that are powerful. How many believe that? Go to James chapter 5 if you would. And I want to show you something here in the book of James. This is probably the most important part here of the message. James chapter 5. You mean amen when you get there. As you get there, we, we recognize that Paul himself mentions in the New Testament prayer 27 times. Anything, anytime something's mentioned that much in the Bible, it's important. Amen? It's very important that we pray. James chapter 5. I want to look at just a couple verses here. I think this is going to help some people, especially this verse right here in verse 17. James chapter 5, verse 17. Right before I read it, how many sometimes when you read the Bible and you see someone like Elijah or Moses or Sarah or Ruth or, or uh, Noah or some of these, Abraham, some of these mightily, even Jesus himself, these mightily, mightily used people of God, you, you kind of in your mind tend to think, man, they were just special. They were special. They were God's chosen. They just had it together. They were just, God gave them a special anointing. How many have ever thought that? Guess what? It's not true. It's okay to think that because I thought that too. Man, well, God, why did you give them so much power? It's not biblically true. You know what God says in his word? He's no respecter of persons. God doesn't love Abraham any more than he loves me. God doesn't love Sarah any more than he loves you. They weren't special. You know what they had? Prayer lives. They, were, they had prayer lives. They, they were human beings just like us, and they, and they got a hold of God, and they understood that God's power was real. Let me show you what I mean. In James chapter 5, verse 17, he says here, Elijah was a what? Man with a nature like yours. Isn't that amazing? What he's basically saying is that man Elijah that did those amazing things in the Bible is, is human just like you. He's nature just like you. Means he, got, he had to get up in the morning and fight the flesh to pray. He had to get up in the morning and tell his flesh, I'm going to spend some time with God. He had to tell his flesh when things didn't look good that I'm going to believe God anyways. And it says he had a nature like ours, but here's the difference. He prayed what? What does it say there? Earnestly. He prayed earnestly. He didn't just say prayed. He prayed earnestly, and it says that it would not rain. Now, that, that's, that, that's a weird prayer because most of the time people are praying for rain. Amen. But listen, I've lived in a country, which is Costa Rica, for 10 years, where there's times we prayed it would not rain because we had had enough. 
I know that sounds crazy here in dry Texas at the moment, right? But he's praying for it not to rain. And the Bible says that God answered him and it did not rain for three years and six months. Amen. God answered his prayer, James 5.17. So it says he's a natural man and he prayed. Now I say this seriously joking. I need to pray harder and with more faith for the climate. Amen. Anybody that knows me knows I do not like summer. I don't care where it is. Amen. Unless it's Alaska maybe or San Diego. I don't like summer. I don't like the heat. I prefer it to be cooler if not cold. But that's just me. But I feel like I need to pray harder for God to answer me. If God could answer Elijah for three years and six months there would be no rain. God could answer my prayers that it would not get past 90 in the summer. Do you guys believe that? How many believe that with me? How many would join me in prayer for that from July until the end of August? Y'all shaking your head need your heads checked. Amen. I didn't, say, I didn't say 40. I just said not over 90. But that's my prayer. I believe God can answer me. And then to go even further, if I had my way, I've said this before, I'm going to start praying next year that when we get to October, it's going to be October, November, December, January, February, March, and at the end of March, we're going to go right to October again. That's what I'm going to pray for, okay? You pray for whatever you want. But see what I'm saying? That's a bold prayer. Isn't that a bold prayer? That's a crazy prayer, it might sound. But there was a lot of crazy things that happened in the Bible. God, listen to this, God honors bold prayers. He does. He honors bold prayers. Bold prayers honor God. So when you, when you pray for something that, that seems crazy, God's up there going, that's my son. That's my daughter right there. Listening, listen to that. They're talking, they're talking crazy. That's a bold prayer. That's a prayer most people aren't praying. And if it's within the will of God, he can answer that prayer, and he can, he can have his name glorified through what you're praying. Think about some of the things we're praying for. Are we praying bold prayers? Are we, are we praying that God would use us for his glory, that he would use us mightily in our lives? So we see that there, that Elijah, how many, are, how many are thankful for that, that the Bible tells us Elijah was natural and normal just like us? You know what that does? That gives us hope that God can use us too. If he used Elijah, he can use me. And, and so we see that there's a nature there. And instead of putting them up on a pedestal, think about this. Here's, here's the thing that goes along with this. Today, in sports, or acting, or music, or anybody who's successful in those things. Now, we understand that, that some people have, and you could kind of say that some people have a God-given talent. Some people, for example, are faster than other people. Some people can jump higher than other people. Some people are born with a good voice. And others are born with a voice. Amen. How many know what I'm saying? So we understand that, that everybody's given their own talent. But when you look at somebody who's successful in sports, yes, they have a God-given talent. But what made them get to the top? Work. What made them get to the top? Discipline. What made them better than other people? Spending time in doing what they did good. They didn't just wake up and be that. So what makes a Christian better than another Christian, more successful than another Christian, more powerful than another Christian? Work. 
Not works to be saved. Work in prayer. Work in the presence of God. Work in witnessing. Work in sharing their faith. God elevates those people who honor him with bold prayers. So I hope I'm challenging you this morning to pray a little more bold. To pray for some things in your life that God cannot do in your life if he's not involved. That it would be something that without God it's impossible, as he said, but with God all things are possible. Are you making some prayers today that are impossible, amen, that are glorifying and edifying God and causing God to say, hey, listen to that prayer. Did you hear that? Tell all the I want God to tell all the angels. Did you hear that crazy, bold prayer he just prayed? And they say, you know what, we need to honor that. Let's go ahead and answer that thing for him. Why? Because Hebrews 11 says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith pleases the Lord. So bold faith and bold prayers please God. Amen. Now I want you to think, look back one verse to see one thing as I begin to close this morning. And this is a really, really important verse. It says in verse 16, the verse before that, it says at the end, he says, well, I'll read the whole thing. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And look at this. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man does what? Avails much. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. So God says if you will pray effectively... If you will pray fervently, if you'll walk in my righteousness, I'll do a lot through your prayers. So that goes to show us we got to put the work in, in prayer. Which means, church, a lot of times, doing prayer instead of something else. Can I get an amen? Amen. I was talking to Jesse about this after service. For example, we need to be praying without ceasing. We need to be praying all the time, Thessalonians says, meaning we're in an attitude of prayer all the time. But here's the difference. When, for example, is it, think about driving down the road. Some people drive a lot to go to work or have a long road to work or, or drive for their job. Hey, that's a great time to spend in prayer. It's awesome to pray while you're driving and spend that time on the road while you're driving. I, I find myself more times just praying while I'm driving than listening to the radio. But that doesn't take the place of me getting alone with God just to pray. Somebody will catch that right there. It doesn't take the place. It's one thing to, to be praying cons- constantly and, 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 and being in the presence of the Lord while you're driving. That's great. But it's another thing to, to just get alone with God and pray, just to pray, just God and you. You're not driving, you're not doing something else. I mean, think about that. If you have your phone and you're sitting down to have a conversation with your wife or your friend or your family member and you're talking to them while you're looking at your phone, how does that seem? Come on. You're talking to them, you're having a conversation with them, but you don't have their full attention. They don't have your full attention. So it would be the same thing as me and Carla can have great conversation driving down the road. We're spending time together, but we're going somewhere. We're doing something. That's not the same as sitting across the table from her and talking to her undivided attention. That's what what makes prayer so powerful. Praying all the time is great. 
But spending time with God purposely is what sets the prayer warrior apart. Amen? And gives us that powerful, bold prayer. So here's what the word fervent means. Intensely passionate. When was the last time? That's why we're, it's, not a, it's not a prayer of meditation where we just close our eyes and keep our mouths closed and we're just, because then you can't tell if you're asleep or awake. Amen. Some people say they're praying and they're asleep. But it says intensely, in, 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 sorry, in, intensely passionate. So there's a fervency going on there. I was watching some of those people intensely, passionately praying for their team to score a goal. For a game that means nothing. That even their country outside of pride is not going to get anything out of that game. Matter of fact, I thought later about that poor guy who missed the whole goal. Hopefully he doesn't get killed. That's seriously joking. Seriously. There's been guys who have missed goals in the past and they go back to their country and they get killed over a game. But that intense, passionate spirit that we have for so many things, church, needs to be in prayer. A lot of times we, we could be a quiet person, but all of a sudden we get real passionate when it's about food or a game or a movie <clears throat> or whatever we're passionate about. What would happen in our lives if we would become passionate about prayer? What would happen? There's, there's no limit. There's no limit to what God can do if we'd become passionate prayer warriors. If we'd pray boldly to the Lord. You see stories all throughout the Bible. In Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter uh, 16, for example, Lydia is a, is a witch. She's in sorcery and witchcraft. And they begin to pray for her. And she ends up being saved. She's a medium. She gets saved because of prayer. How many believe this morning that you could pray for your loved ones? Your kids, your brothers, your sisters, your mom, your dad, your cousins, your neighbors. They could get saved through your prayers. But have you been intentionally, intensely, passionately praying for them? Or have you just been saying, oh God, I hope you touch them. Because God sees. You know, when you look at that video and you see those people praying, think about this. Sometimes when we're praying and we're spending time with God and we're intensely, intensively praying, sometimes our mind could tell us this ain't doing nothing. You saw the question there. Is God even listening? I want to give you, I want to give you some words this morning. God is listening. And God answers prayer. If you don't believe that, you're, you're, a, you're a sign that God answers prayer. Because someone was praying for you. You're here because God answered a prayer for somebody else. Somebody prayed for you to listen. Somebody prayed for you to get saved. Somebody prayed for you to change. Prayer works. Amen. Prayer does supernatural things. There was a man, I'll end with this story, H.B. Garlock. He was a missionary to Liberia in Africa, to a very dangerous place at a very dangerous time. And he actually wrote a book called Before We Kill You and Eat You. That was the name of the book. Because he was dealing with people who were cannibals, real life cannibals. They would grab people and kill them and eat them. True story. And they caught this man, this, this missionary, H.B. Garlock, 
and they tied him up. They were going to kill him and eat him. That was their intention. And the story goes that he was being tied up and he knew it was about time to be killed and he, he began to pray in the Holy Spirit as Roman 8.26 says there at the end of that video. He began to pray. How many know if you were about to be eaten, you'd be praying pretty fervently? We pray for our food, you know, just because we know we're supposed to. He was praying because he was going to be the food. Big time difference, right? He's praying fervently. God. And, and the story says he begins to pray in tongues and pray in the Holy Spirit. And he says as he begins to pray, all of a sudden, people start freaking out. And they go and grab a chicken, cut the chicken's head off, sprinkle him with blood, and say, get out of here. And they push him out of the camp. And they kick him out and they leave him alone. He runs home. Saved his life. And months down the road, he ran into one of those people who was in that camp. And they began to have a conversation. And that, that man said to him, he said to that man, sorry, what, what happened? You guys were about to kill me and eat me. What happened? And he says, as you began to pray, you began to pray in our language. And we began to hear in our language what your God was going to do to us if we touched you. So we let you go and we sprayed that chicken blood over you to cover us from whatever God was going to do to us. And we let you go. That's a true story. That's a true story. Prayer works. Now maybe here to this morning, that might be kind of drastic for you. You've never been a missionary. You've never been in a situation where you've really had to pray to get out of it. I've been in some situations in the mission field where I really had to pray. I wasn't just a, oh God help me. It was fervent, passionate, and intense. And that prayer works. And God wants to do, listen, God wants to do more for you this morning. He wants to answer. He's more eager to answer you this morning than you are to ask. Do you believe that? He wants to answer you more than you want to ask. He delights himself in answering our prayers. But sometimes we don't ask. We don't ask boldly. Let's pray this morning. Hopefully, as we pray and bow our heads and close our eyes, a message like this will cause us to realize how powerful prayer is, how real prayer is, what prayer can do. Some of you came in with some real needs, some real problems you're facing, some real situations, and you need an answer from God. I'm not going to sit here and promise you that your answer is going to come today, but I will promise you God answers prayer. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. All over this place this morning, maybe you're here and you've never prayed to God and said, God, I'm, I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need to be forgiven for my sins this morning. Jesus, would you please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. Jesus, I'm lost today. I don't know where I'd spend eternity if I passed into it right now. If you're here and you've never said that prayer, the prayer of salvation, would you lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray with me this morning. I'm not saved. That's me. All over this place, I'm going to wait just a moment. I'm not asking you to become a member of the church. I'm asking you, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? I'm not asking you if you've put your faith in your family the, of the house you live in. 
Maybe you've got a godly father and a godly mother. Maybe, maybe you've been raised in church. Being raised in church is not going to do it. You've got to stand before God someday and give an answer for your life. Have you ever given Jesus Christ lordship of your life? That's who God's speaking to right now. The Bible says he's knocking on the door of your heart right now and saying, let me in. I died for you. I have a plan for you. But you've got to give me your life. How many would say, that's me? I've never said that prayer. I need Jesus this morning. Maybe you're backslidden. Maybe you're running from God. Maybe you're cold in your faith. Maybe you've lost your faith. Maybe you're doubting this morning if God really exists and the devil's been lying to you and deceiving you and telling you God's not answering your prayers. And today God says, listen, I'm here. He's touching you right now and you feel his spirit. He said, I'm here. I haven't left you. I'm here. Call on me. How many would say, that's me. I need to come home today. I need to come back to the Lord. Let's stand to our feet this morning all over this place. How many want to see a move of God? A real move of God. If you don't, don't worry, you won't see it. But I believe there's some people in here that want to see a move of God. Amen? That want to see change, that want to see revival, that want to see lives saved, that want to see miracles, that want to see signs and wonders. Not just exist, not just go through the motions, not just slide safe into heaven. The way we see a revival is through prayer. Every time there was ever a move of God in the United States or around the world, it started in a prayer meeting. It started with a person as a spark seeking the face of the Lord and saying, God, I'm going to change this world through my prayer life. And then God begins to honor that. God begins to do amazing things. I said this in the first service. When we get to heaven, we're going to be amazed at who the heroes are. Because I believe the heroes are going to be people who are prayer warriors. People who never, nobody ever, they're going to say the name and we're going to say who? Who? We don't know who they are, but they're going to be special in God's eyes. You know what Revelation says in chapter 8? He says the prayers of the saints go up as an incense to the Lord. How many have ever lit incense and you see that smoke just just going up. It's not just smoke that's going up. It's a smell. It's a fragrance that fills the house. And the Bible says the prayers of the saints are an incense to God. So we need to know this morning that our prayers are powerful. Our prayers are doing something. Let God spark that. God's time is now. Amen. The window for move, for move of God is now. Not next year. It's now. Because the time is short and we've got to get a hold of God. So this morning we're going to open up the altars. Let's take a few minutes. Let's spend some time. It's early this morning. Let's, it's this after just now noon. Let's spend a little bit of time. Whether you stay in your seat or you come to the altar, but let's pray together. Amen. That's why we're here this morning. As they begin to sing a song, come and, and I challenge you to come and pray boldly. Come and open up your mouth. Come and lift your voice. Come and talk to God about your family, about your job, about your situation in your marriage, about your finances, about a revival, about whatever you need. Don't look around to see if somebody else is praying. Do it for yourself.